You're listening to STEM Essential, an Iowa Governor's STEM Advisory Council podcast. Hear from leading advocates and voices about why STEM education is crucial for our world today and tomorrow. Welcome, everybody, to Series 4 of STEM Essentials, podcasts featuring some of Iowa's and the nation's leading thinkers in STEM. This series is all about Iowa's STEM decade and beyond. I am Jeff Weld. I'm the director of Iowa's STEM Council. It's an edunomic development initiative where education and economic development merge to improve lives and communities. The people we're hearing from are edunomic developers themselves, commingling jobs with learning. Today, featuring our lead off guest for this series, Cindy Dietz who is a State Government Relations Associate Director for Raytheon Technologies. And she is a founding member of the Governor's STEM Advisory Council, which she directed on an interim basis in 2018 on loan from Collins Aerospace and did a fantastic job. Cindy is involved in numerous other volunteer roles as well, including Chair of the Board of Directors for the Iowa Association of Business and Industry in 2019-20, and United Way Community Campaign Co-Chair in 2015-16, and much more. Today, she'll be exploring the topic, Primordial STEM, the Conditions to Launch. Welcome, Cindy. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Wonderful to have you and to reconnect. Well, let's get started by inviting our listeners. Uh, You can imagine them to be STEM-literate Iowans, young and old professionals across the spectrum. Uh, Let's For those few who may not know you, get to know you better with this question. When, why, and how did you get involved in STEM education in the first place? Wow. The when, I think I will have to uh, take a pass on, but I would guess it was early 2000 or so, 2000-2001. I was at that time working for Rockwell Collins. And uh, we had just spun off from Rockwell International to create this separate standalone company. And uh, the CEO, Clay Jones, says, hey, uh, we want to set up our own uh, community relations, charitable giving and education outreach activities because we had been very busy already in those realms with um, our K-12 volunteer program uh, prior to the spinoff. And uh, at that time, I had also joined the Iowa Math and Science Coalition and represented Rockwell Collins on that. Um, And uh, I'll I'll just say through that journey, um, also helped uh, lead and create Collins' STEM education strategy. So um, if that kind of covers the when, how, um, why, uh, I will say that much of it was tied to our business. And, and as your intro suggests, it's about the economy and economic development and growing jobs and growing businesses. And for Collins in Iowa at that time, we wanted to, first of all, make sure we were prepared to meet our customers' expectations by be, being able to hire the talent that we needed. And then number two, because Collins Radio was founded in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. We also wanted to develop and provide opportunities for students um, from Iowa, because again, since this was our uh, home playing field, 
We had such great success with hires that grew up in Iowa, went to Iowa State or the University of Iowa. Um, we really felt there was opportunity. So um, kind of multi-pronged there, but really it was about developing the talent for the business. Excellent. Thank you. All right, let's go into that a little bit deeper. Clay Jones and Rockwell Collins and local talent development and opportunity, clearly the impetus behind the Collins STEM plan and the Iowa Mass Science Coalition and uh, the K-12 volunteering that Rockwell Collins has orchestrated for some time. Let's go big picture here in the state of Iowa and beyond from your perspective. Take us back to 2010 when you and, and I were actually working closely uh, through the Mat Iowa Mass Science Education Partnership to develop a STEM strategy for the state of Iowa. And I know why I was in the room. I was representing higher education. And I think we all recognize that uh, STEM education is a slightly different animal than what we had been practicing, myself in science education, others in math education, technology education. So I understood the, the educator impetus for driving a STEM strategic plan that we then developed and you all published through Rockwell Collins. What about the, the business and industry perspective, Cindy? What was it like in pre-2011 in your world beyond, and maybe Rockwell Collins is, is kind of microcosmic of a of a, uh, a larger business and industry uh, thirst that uh, was not being addressed or, or something like that. What, how would you describe the conditions that prompted the creation of Iowa's STEM Council? Well, Jeff, a couple of things that I can recall um, in regards to that. I would say, first of all, you know, just my involvement uh, along with you with those um, business education partnerships you know, I started seeing some of the data that was showing that students from other countries were outperforming U.S. students. So that was a bit concerning. I mean, even back at that time, Rockwell Collins had a, uh, a military or government business that often needed, you know, security clearances or other types of, of uh, special um, backgrounds. And, and so sometimes could not, you know, hire foreign nationals or, or um, you know, non-U.S. citizens. I think that's one piece of it. I think the other was really the economics at the time. So going back to 20, 2009 and the uh, recession, you know, the economic cli uh, climate there, we were coming out of that. And I think as we started to see the need again to prepare for the future and where we wanted the business to go, the basic requirements for our employees was changing. And even uh, some labor studies that were showing you know, more and more careers or career paths were relying on STEM education as that foundation. So, you know, going into, you know, uh, technology, uh, systems engineering. And, and I will say Collins was very much focused on those engineering careers and had been for a long time. And I think continued to be right up until uh a few years ago, but I think um, I think that that the need, as we saw the trends changing, and recognizing that kids make these decisions so early, for whatever reason, whether it's perceptions or the opportunity available at their schools, that we really saw the need to get engaged early, and what we saw as I think a unique opportunity in Iowa and I know you've talked about this as well, but I heard it over and over again as I was going to national conferences and conversations um, 
around STEM is that we had such a fabulous engagement of business and industry, education, higher ed, K-12, I mean, the nonprofits, because Iowa is, you know, still a very a fairly small populace uh, of a state, we could bring people together and they really felt like they could make a difference. They could have a voice and that only by working together and, you know, working through these things, could we be successful? Where in other states, they had, you know, very large institutions, very large companies that could fund things. Um, in Iowa, it was very collaborative. And I think we saw opportunities, especially as we went around the state and talked to people and got their input about the STEM strategy, that that was a very real differentiator for us. Mm -hmm. You know, interestingly, just to drill a little deeper into this, I don't know that most Iowans understand the jewel uh, and this is not me taking any credit, I'm a mere servant of a variety of really interesting people like yourself who have created this jewel of a program. When you think of Iowa, when most people think of Iowa outside our borders and sometimes within our borders, they think of corn and uh, hogs and wrestling and insurance, you know, for example. And maybe a few politics in there every four years or so, right? Oh, of course, the caucus, which it sounds like we'll hold on to. But then add STEM to that mix. And and it's so interesting to me that a question we get a lot that you know well is that we were very early uh, as a STEM statewide program. I could name one other at the time when we got started in 2011. That was Massachusetts, of Massachusetts. course, to whom we credit a right. lot of wonderful ideas. But when you boil it down, when you're traveling around the country and around the world and people uh, say to you, as they say to me often, oh, Iowa, that the STEM state, and of course, it's my community. And uh, they're going to talk STEM, not wrestling. But I do enjoy the, the prideful acknowledgement of the work that we do and the recognition that, that Iowa has achieved. But what was it? Uh, clearly, we had a small enough population that we could network easily and get things done. There wasn't a lot of, uh, of, a lot of layers of communication that bogged things down. But early on, you brought to the table, I brought to the table, our, our policy leaders were receptive to uh, the idea of a statewide STEM program. How did we get that done so quick and uh, so with such premonition? I will have to say, I won't maybe call it Iowa nice, but I think, again, a lot of our success hinges on that fact that that pride of ownership um, maybe is, is in that collective uh, result and, and the working together piece that none of us alone has the answer, or um, again, uh, perhaps that just none of us has the resources and the right tools uh, to be able to do things alone. So it was just, you know, it felt like in Iowa, it was always very collaborative. And um, mm -hmm. there, of course, there's always a little territorialism somewhere along the line uh, when you're getting, you know, businesses together that want to, you know, make a name for themselves or honestly, universities, you know, kind of uh, what their programs are. The community mm -hmm. colleges certainly were wonderful players. But I mean, I really do think it was that that want grassroots, you know, let's bottom up and and having people at the table and not just giving the lip service to everyone having a voice really absolutely uh, 
engaging everyone to make sure we had the best solution for Iowa students. I totally agree. I think uh, we're more bound to growing our own, as you all at, at uh, Collins Aerospace now well know that uh, we don't enjoy the luxury of being a, a destination by and of itself, like a Southern California or some uh, tropical climate or some Bostonian metropolis that just draws people by nature. We have to sell ourselves and, and in some way cultivate our own talent more than many. And that somehow makes us sharper at our game. Uh, and, and companies like yours and, and Principal Financial and Pellet Corporation and Vermeer, these are local folks uh, often originated here in our state with a visceral connection to communities. And I don't know that some states enjoy such direct connections of the major employers in their midst to roots in these communities and in this state. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And I think a lot of it too ties back to that legacy of the community. And we have generations of, of families who work for our companies and the opportunity to make sure that we have uh, those careers available to the next generation, the next family members, you know, is very strong in our communities. Um, but I will say, as I travel around the country, there is also a very real premium, I will call it, on the Iowa work ethic. That extends to the Midwest, let me say. But employers around the country, at least, I guess I can't quite speak around the world, but around the country, they see a student, you know, with great grades and, and community engagement that comes out of an Iowa university and they say, there's a kid we got to look at really hard because they know they work hard, that, you know, they're going to put their best foot forward and uh, be successful. So um, yeah, that's that's another unique aspect, I think, to to the landscape of of our STEM initiative here. Yeah, we who we who have the pleasure of traveling, we can always marvel at the quality of of service and attention and and detail and work ethic of Iowans when we travel elsewhere around the world and we come back to excellent dentistry and excellent journalism and excellent real estate agents and excellent manufacturers and so on who are Iowa born and bred. Well, let's fast forward. Here it is, our 10th anniversary approaching. Uh, amazing to uh, consider that uh, Governor Branstad, then Governor Branstad, signed us into existence in July of 2011. And you were very much a part of those early days, pre-executive order, and certainly post-executive order as a founding member of this council as it found its stride. And so reflect on how the ideas you had, maybe through your involvements with the Iowa Mass Science Coalition and the Iowa Mass Science Education Partnership and all the other endeavors, the Corridor STEM Initiative and all the STEM activity that preceded the Governor's STEM Advisory Council, you were filled with ideas, Cindy, and filled with a, an accumulated expertise. And here we created a STEM Council, a big institution by some measures compared to those other predecessors. Uh, and at 10 years now, in retrospect, how, how much does what we have all created together align with your initial ideas of what it is that we needed to become? Yeah. I mean, when we started talking about 10 years, I cannot believe, first of all, that 10 years has gone by. <laughs> but, you know, I think I think uh, my expectations 
looking back, were probably fairly uh, limited. I mean, I just thought we really just need to give more kids the opportunity. And, and coming from Rockwell Collins, where it was very much about hands-on activities, because I had seen kids just blossom after having an opportunity to participate on a Lego League team or in, at a First Tech Challenge program. And I thought the more kids that could have that opportunity, wow, we're just going to open up the world. Um, and and as a native Iowan, you know, I, I think about growing up in a small community in Northwest Iowa. And I think, how do we make sure that those kids in Emmitsburg have an opportunity, just like the kids in Cedar Rapids who have Collins parents and volunteers? And how do we make that happen? So I think that that in the back of my mind, I had that vision, but, you know, it's sort of, it's, uh, it's a vision and it, it may never become reality. And I have to say, Jeff, uh, with your leadership and the involvement of all the leaders across Iowa, it has transformed into, you know, just a premier organization and the opportunity to have schools and teachers and their partnerships and collaborations with communities and really talking about solving problems and looking at challenges in communities. I mean, it's, it's really, it's really amazing. And so I, when I say it exceeds all my expectations, maybe I wasn't, uh, I didn't have in mind what that outcome was going to be. I knew it would be great and we needed to make it happen, but wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, wow is my sentiment too. And I hope listeners uh, are deep into the mix with us enough to recognize the origins of that wow. What has been created here in Iowa? What impact? Episode three, devoted to measures of impact, by the way, uh, which is all quite astounding. And all of it, of course, you mentioned leadership, Cindy, and the consistent leadership of Kim Reynolds, first as Lieutenant Governor, Absolutely. now as Governor, over the course of 10 years. Other state leaders, uh, many of whom we convene annually in our Midwest STEM Forum, marvel at how we have uh, rallied forces across agencies, across entities, engaged the populations that we have, sustained legislators' interest in what it is we do mm -hmm. and their support. And of course, we are, our secret weapon, not so secret at all, is our consistent co-chair, our greatest champion, Kim Reynolds, at the helm uh, all 10 of these years. So. Um, other states will need to replicate that somehow if they'd like to replicate Iowa's experience. Yeah, absolutely. And Jeff, I would I would also say, I mean, part of the reason I think I can I couldn't envision what we've become is again goes back to that whole partnership thing. I, as being involved in business, could could not speak or or see how this might uh, evolve as from the seat of a teacher. Mm. or you from higher ed. Um, I mean, you know, it's just, it, we really needed all that participation and engagement. And you're right, Lieutenant Governor, now Governor Kim Reynolds was a key leader in that. I will say certainly leading, guiding, but I do not feel that she was trying to, or anyone was pushing it from the top down. Again, the other value was this is a collaborative ground and grassroots up uh, organization. And that's what makes it work. We're hearing from students about their experiences. We're hearing from teachers. And so that's really what makes it work. 
Absolutely. Uh, the, the perfect balance of hands-on when we need her and trust uh, and overarching guidance when that's what we need. Yeah. And absolutely. some of those programs I'll mention in a minute. In fact, maybe I'll mention now signature programs that I think uh, we had hands in establishing, but uh, there was quite a community establishing that scale-up program that now brings some of the world's best STEM education opportunities to every kid in the state of Iowa who wants them virtually from border to border, from river to river. Um, and of course, the STEM best model, our governor traveled the nation with us to New York City and Kansas City and elsewhere to study STEM style schools that uh, exist elsewhere and to help craft the Iowa STEM best brand of schools now numbering in the 60s, soon to grow by likely another couple dozen. Uh, and the externships program, Teachers in Industry in the Summertime, that Collins Aerospace is an early and uh, strong partner in uh, the formation of these programs and to watch them flourish as they have, far from reaching uh, the broad audiences we hope for, but we're, we're getting there year after year, growing them as we do. Those and other programs, Cindy, community festivals and the teaching award and so on, are the portfolio that has evolved over the course of these years together but if you could wind back the clock, 9.6 years, back to our launch, Halloween of 2011, our first STEM Council meeting, if you could go back in time and uh, redo anything about what it is we do, you mentioned um, engaging more audience. You might think additional programming, you might think additional stakeholders, anything's on the table, of all the things that we do, we're far from perfect. What would you go back and do differently now that you have perfect hindsight 2020? Well, that was probably one of the toughest things as I looked at the discussion today and, and when I think back to this. But I think what I would, it's, it's something I continue to talk about today, and that's being very intentional and having a very specific focus on engaging students and underrepresented groups. Um, while I, I know the STEM initiative is open to all Iowans, I do think that sometimes we don't recognize the barriers that some families and, and students uh, have to participating in our programs. A, a lot of our programming, we try to do it at school so that you know students who are there can do it, but, but certainly things happen after school, on the weekends, special um, programs and such like that. So I think that's the only thing because as we know, I, I, think, we've, I think we've captured uh, young women and girls. Um, and again, that's one that Collins has focused on too, knowing especially with engineering. But I think also those people of color, um, our immigrant community, um, others, you know, low socioeconomic uh, groups, really trying to say, how can we be intentional to make sure that we are making resources available, engaging, and oh, by the way, that we have the right programming. And, and I think, it, you know, again, it all comes, you, you know, you got to start somewhere and we launch with what we, what we knew and, and we grew that and it's been absolutely wonderful. But I, again, I think that uh, it continues to, to uh, the data shows that we continue to engage less frequently with those underrepresented groups. Yeah, good point. Yeah, we are playing catch up. And I guess it would have been good of all of us to think more 
purposefully about our underserved populations out of the gates 10 years ago. I am grateful to you and a number of other visionary leaders and advocates who last year, through the pandemic, we executed a year of strategic planning. And uh, thanks to these, your vision, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion rose to the top of the uh, forward-thinking interests of the council. And so uh, now a permanent uh, committee is in place to strategize as to programming, policies, strategies, tactics that we can take to be more purposeful with those underserved young women, kids of color, kids of poverty, rural kids, kids of varying abilities, all on their palate. And they meet this afternoon, as a matter of fact. So tribute to you. We can't wind back the clock, but we can sure enough get it right since strategic planning last year and in the years to come. Thank you. Uh, you know, it's interesting that uh, you mentioned earlier some of the impacts that you're seeing from our work, that we've been at this for almost a decade. And when we got into this business together, uh, it did seem lonely at times when we talk about things like work-based learning or school business partnerships or applied learning. And uh, those aren't lonely communities anymore. We have a lot of friends and a lot of uh, places across the state uh, singing the same tune, as it were. So uh, my question to you is, what impacts, if any, do you feel that our initiative has had on other organizations or the policies or, or practices you see uh, here in Iowa or nationally? How have we changed other worlds besides moving forward on our own crusade? Well, I guess I, I, the, the one I thought of right away was uh, STEM best and impact. And that's really on how students learn and, mm -hmm. you know, that problem solving and, and again, uh, engaging in the community with businesses and, you know, really seeing that as uh, an opportunity. And I think it also um, really, I'll say from a, from an educator standpoint, and again, I'm not an educator, so I won't speak for them, but what I saw and understood from you and, and experienced as a student myself is that, you know, you used to go to math, used to go to your science class, biology, whatever you used to, you know, they were very siloed, very segmented and best. And some of our other programs really talked about how do these subjects, you know, how are they interdisciplinary? How do they, are they integrated in the thinking, you know, when you're trying to solve a problem, you know, you've got to use all these elements of STEM. And um, I think that was, I do think that was an impact. Um, I think that there was a time when everyone wanted to create a STEM program or dub their program STEM in order to be part of the movement, maybe to access funding or resources, you know, all those kinds of things. Was it STEM? I don't know. Uh, as I think I've told you, I I was have been I've had a transformation, but I have been a very traditionalist STEM science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. That's it. And people talked about arts, and they talked about entrepreneurship, and they talked even athletics. I think, and you know the other letters that people were throwing in there, and I was like, folks, you're all just trying to get on the bandwagon, right? And then. We had our strategy session this year when we really talked about the data and the science and the psychology behind STEM and how many people automatically uh, 
said, that's not for me. And suddenly, when you start opening the aperture, you recognize now you're opening avenues for more people to get involved instead of shutting them off. And that was something I never really considered before, that by adding arts or some of the entrepreneurship, you know, it, it opens it up for people to feel like they can see themselves. And uh, so I, that that's, I mean, from my perspective, some of the, the opportunities and changes. Um, I don't know if that answers your question or not, but uh, I will say too, the policies in regards to funding, you know, thankfully we've been very, very successful and had, as you said before, with Governor Reynolds and the legislature, strong supporters of our STEM programs. Indeed. I share the sense that we have broadened conversations around STEM and we've done everybody the service of defining what we mean when we say STEM but we've also had our own perspectives broadened, the arts and entrepreneurship and, and accounting and agriculture and uh, economics and uh, history, all of which are embedded in uh, authentic STEM learning as STEM is never divorced from a context of community and uh, society. In fact, we have another active standing working group now moving forward regarding the arts, innovation and entrepreneurship. So. Uh, we, we, that's another new trick these old ponies learned as we <laughs> moved uh, forward. And it could have been an amber light in a way. It was an amber flashing light. As you say, Cindy, there are a lot of young Iowans who enter the workforce pathway with arts on their minds. They're, they're creative individuals. They want to sing, dance, write, paint, what have you, uh, graphic design. And they would look at STEM and say, that's not for me. And so by broadening our tent, by broadening our mission and definition, we broaden the clientele, we broaden the funnel of entrance, I suppose. So uh, that was a flashing amber light I welcome. And so my question to you is now here we are approaching our 10th anniversary. Our work is far from done. Hopefully we'll be at this another decade or more, but what are the other amber flashing lights, the, the other th threats, risks, opportunities that lie ahead in your mind as we carve out our next decade? Hmm. Well, I, I always worry a little bit that STEM was a buzzword and, and the, uh, you know, the polish is going to wear off and it'll become the, uh, you know, go on the, the trash heap. Um, not really, but you know what I'm saying? It, it kind of go through these phases and, and this is a big thing. I think uh, that's a challenge. I think the opportunity is we have never, we have never stopped opening the aperture and redefining who we're engaging and how we're doing that. So I think that would be um, one area. I, I think, you know, again, funding is always a challenge as you look forward. And honestly, I would say not just funding for programs, but funding for that marketing and awareness, that whole communication platform that helps, again, Iowans understand the importance that STEM is for everyone. Um, the relevance, uh, obviously the opportunity, there's so many, so many uh, areas to explore with digital technology, cybersecurity, encryption, virtual, artificial intelligence. I mean, wow, how can you, how can, how can you say STEM has no relevance in, in this changing world? The one last one I would say is also about adults and adult learners, upskilling, retraining, as, as you know, the economy changes, I mean, as the pandemic showed us, you can do a lot of things virtual 
but we need to be able to engage our adults in that conversation as well. Maybe it's not the STEM council that's delivering, you know, those kinds of skills and trainings, but but our message is absolutely applicable to that audience. Mm -hmm. A variety of new fronts. Obviously, uh, we, we enter the computer science realm with scale up and uh, other uh, best programs, but uh, to take square on artificial intelligence and uh, information technology, computer science in general is a stronger thrust. Clearly it's a priority of our governor, it's a priority of our legislature, and it will become a more prominent place in STEM. And interestingly, that we will have to shift resources as organizations like ours do to make room for adult learning and computer science education and career technical education emphases. Uh, it will call for a council guidance of wisdom regarding resource allocation in various directions, including, to your point, communications. As a professional communicator yourself, uh, the messaging has become more and more of a prominent uh, need uh, and, and asset. We have very talented communicators in our midst, but how do we how do we get better at telling our story and and uh, generating an awareness for Iowans, especially our underserved, to take part? Any ideas off the top of your head? Well, I mean, the best thing is to you know engage those students and their experiences and have them tell their story. That's what you know, gets to me is when we've talked to these students who say, I was coming to school, I was, you know, putting in the time, I didn't really care if I got what I got for a grade, I didn't care. And then I joined this team, this program, I had a mentor who cared about me, you know, showed up to our meetings, I started to understand what we were doing. And oh, by the way, if I, you know, took algebra, great. But if I took calculus, then I could program that next, you know, and they just start really seeing the application of the learning and how it ties to what they want to do. So obviously students telling that story and, and the same with the educators that go to, you know, a workplace in the summer for their externship. I mean, what is better? Uh, obviously they're telling the students about their experience, which is what we want because one teacher can affect many more students um, but, but also just, you know, to tell other educators and tell the businesses how valuable that time is to, you know, we, we can't, we can come up with messaging, but, you know, when you have personal stories like that, that's, uh, that, that, that takes the cake. Well said. I shall pass it on to the communications team. And I'm pleased to, uh, sneak preview for listeners that, uh, profiles and testimonials by and of students and educators, employers and others will be the content of a statewide summit September the 16th at the Iowa Events Center, the Future Ready Iowa Summit, connecting workforce and education. So we'll have a full dose of student storytelling there. And I have no doubt, Cindy, it'll be compelling as you point out uh, that it is undeniably inspirational to hear from kids whose lives have changed because of our work. Thank you. Well, finally, um, let's wrap it up with this one, Cindy. It's doubtful that we have the ear of every Iowan listening today. That would be ideal, but we'll, we'll be uh, grateful for the listeners we have. But let's say we had every Iowan listening in today and you had, you had one shot, you had 15 seconds with every ear in the state. What message or idea would you want to plant 
in their minds that's relevant to STEM council work, STEM education in Iowa? Yeah, that's a hard one. But I would say that one message is that STEM and STEM education is for everyone. For students, it really gives them the foundation to make the choices that they want. They can go anywhere with that as a foundation. And for our adults, it makes you better thinkers, better citizens. It really does cross all of those boundaries. And so age age is not a factor. STEM is for everyone. Wonderful message, and it would be an appropriate end. But before we go, did I leave any stone unturned? Did I leave any gem unearthed that uh, we hadn't addressed here today that you brought in to share? Jeff, I can't think... I can't think of what it is. I will just say that I have absolutely enjoyed all the activities I've had uh, the opportunity to participate in with with the STEM initiative and certainly be part of the STEM team in 2018 when you winged away east. Um, But uh, and a great, great, you know, team effort it is. Um, I I couldn't I, I couldn't come up with anything that I that we haven't covered. I'm sure there's many things we've forgotten, but <laughs> it's it's been a wonderful journey and, and I know there's many more opportunities to come. Oh, you can bet on that, Cindy. If ever there would become a STEM wall of fame in Iowa, you'll be one of the first uh, uh, names up on it. Thank you. Oh, thank you. That is Cindy Dietz, State Government Relations Associate Director for Raytheon Technologies. Thank you, Cindy, for your backstory on Iowa STEM, where we've come from and where we're heading. You have been and you continue to be an amazing champion for this work. I hope it's paying off for Collins Aerospace, your original intent on getting involved. And uh, you'll have to let us know that ultimate metric as time goes on. This has been episode one of our fourth series of STEM Essential Podcasts featuring the voices of edunomic innovation brought to you by the Iowa Governor's STEM Advisory Council and sponsored by another wonderful partner, Alliant Energy. Thank you for listening. Join us next week to hear about the creation of Iowa's STEM network infrastructure with Iowa Lakes Community College President Val Newhouse. Today's and all STEM Essential podcasts are available at iowastem.org forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening to STEM Essential. This podcast is generously sponsored by Alliant Energy, a proud partner of the Governor's STEM Advisory Council. To learn more and find resources, please visit iowastem.org.